Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for tonight. We pray that tonight you flood our hearts with the revelation knowledge of your son, Jesus. Open the eyes of our spirit. Cause us to come to terms with what you've done for us. Let us partake of the riches of your goodness in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, please be seated. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. All right, so... Um, teaching on spiritual growth hallelujah so we're hoping to um, finish tonight amen all right so are you ready make your uh, notes ready and then let's let's dive into the scriptures hallelujah uh, we've been teaching on growing spiritually as part of our um, series we began some weeks ago we said that spiritual growth is the next best thing after being born again in first timothy chapter 2 uh, the verse 4 he says who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That means uh, it is God's will that um, all men will be saved. Yeah, it is also God's will that um, all men will also do what? Come to the knowledge of the truth. So God wants men to come to the knowledge of the truth. Praise God. So the process of coming to the knowledge of the truth is what spiritual growth is all about. Hallelujah. We said in First uh, Peter chapter 2, the verse 2, it says, therefore, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. He says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Now look at the next verse, the verse 3. He says, um, if so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So what is the milk? What is the milk? The grace of God. Praise God. So the milk is grace. Are you seeing that? So he tells you, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. Then he says, if so be that ye have tasted. The word taste is not you dip your hands into it and put it on your tongue. Don't read the Bible as an English man. Okay? The word taste actually means to experience. That's the Greek word. The word taste means experience. So he says, if so be that ye have experienced that the Lord is gracious. So it is the graciousness of God that we feed on. To grow. And this is very key. It is the graciousness of God that we feed on to grow spiritually. I repeat again. It is the graciousness of God that we feed on to grow. We feed on the grace of God to grow. Let's take some more scriptures. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 18. Now look at that. He says, but grow in what? Grace. So how do we grow? Uh-uh, uh-uh. How do we grow? Uh-uh, uh-uh. How do we grow? Grace. Grow in grace. So the believer grows in grace. You know, sometimes a lot of Christians think that uh, by just reading the Bible you will grow. You will not grow. There is a way to grow. 
So it's not just opening any part of the scripture. Today I feel like reading Matthew chapter 1. So the moment you read Matthew chapter 1, then you grow. No. Growth comes by having a certain understanding. Without that understanding, you are not growing. So growth, the fact that we say the word of God is food for the believer does not mean that you just take the Bible and start reading anything and think you are feeding yourself. No. There could be some things you might be taking from the Bible which is poison. Praise God. If you don't read with the right lens and right understanding, this book can be a very dangerous book for you. Praise God. So what is meant to feed you can actually kill you. Praise God. So the Bible tells us how we grow. He says, but grow in grace. Now, you see the word and in. Now, we have always been saying that anytime you're reading the Bible and you see and, it is not always um, a conjunction that is separating um, two words. Uh, there are times when you're reading the word and, which is uh, chi, also is actually a word that is explaining the same word. Are you seeing that? So the word end is not always a conjunction that is separating or distinguishing two words. It is also sometimes um, uh, explaining the same thing. Praise God. Like we said in John chapter 3, verse 5, don't project that. We say that except the man be born of water and the spirit. Okay, project it. Project it. I want to make myself very clear. So he says, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So people draw conclusions that, oh, it means that you have, you have to be baptized into water, then you receive the Holy Ghost before you can go to heaven or before you can be born again. Now, that is not scriptural. It's not consistent with scriptures. The word end there is not separating water and spirit as two separate things. The word end there is actually explaining the word water. So it's actually telling you the word water there is spirit praise god so he's saying very 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 i say unto you except a man be born of water that is or which is the word kai means that is or which is or even so he says except a man be born of water that is of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of god and i've explained that anytime john uses water he's referring to the spirit now when you're reading the uh, the four books of the um, uh, the four gospels you must make sure you derive answers from the same gospels so uh, when you look at john chapter 7 the verse 38 you're going to see that john uses water again referring to the spirit now look he says he that believed on me as the scripture has said out of his belly shall flow rivers of what living water he mentions water again now look at the next verse he says, but this speak he of the spirit. So what is the spirit? Living waters. What is the spirit? Living water. What is water? The spirit. Have you seen that? So he says, but this speak he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. So he used water as a physical word to describe a spiritual reality. Are you seeing that? Water, water is used for refreshing. Water is used to cleanse. So he used the cleansing and refreshing ability of water to explain the work of the spirit in man. Are you seeing that? So he said, this speaking of the spirit, which they that word believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost, which is what? Living water. Was not yet given because Jesus was not yet 
glorified. What's the word glorified? Resurrection. Because Jesus was glorified in his resurrection, not in his death. He was glorified in his resurrection. So he says they had not yet received the Holy Spirit because Jesus was not yet glorified. That means he had not died yet to be raised to glory. Are you seeing that? So the word water there is describing the spirit. Now let's go back to John chapter 3 the verse 5 for you to look at it one more time. Now he says Jesus answered verily verily I say unto you except a man be born of water that is or even or which is the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now remember the Bible tells us that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So no man can put you into water for you to inherit the kingdom. <laughs> Are you seeing that? So no one can put you into water and say, because I baptized you into water, you are saved. Now, we are not throwing away and saying that water baptism is silly or it's uh, useless or it's fleshly. No, 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 no. What we are saying is that water baptism does not save. Simple. Did you get that? So whatever people have to say, um, it's their own cup of tea. Water baptism does not save. Praise God. It's only a physical evidence of a spiritual reality. It cannot save. Praise God. Alright. Now, the next verse is going to explain the verse 5. Always make sure when you're reading a scripture that looks a little confusing, make sure you stay within the context. So, it's either you read a verse before or the verse after and come downwards. The answer is always there. Praise God. The answer is always there. You know, sometimes when people read uh, something in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and they don't understand it, they want to go and get explanation from Timothy. No. Whatever he said, the answer is right there. Remember, the Bible was not written in chapters and verses. Always note that. The Bible was not written in chapters and verses. Now, Paul was not saying, was not writing 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Then he write. Then he write verse 1, verse 2. No. He wrote 1 Corinthians. He wrote 2 Corinthians. He wrote 1 Timothy. He wrote First Thessalonians. He wrote an entire book. It was a book. That was not uh, having chapters and verses. Chapters and verses were introduced even some few years ago. If I say a few years ago, let's say like some uh, 500 years ago. <laughs> so chapters and verses were used for easy referencing. So that if I'm quoting a scripture in, uh, in Corinthians, I can say 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So you can know that this is exactly where this particular verse is. For easily, uh, for easy word, referencing. So the Bible in itself was not written in chapters and verses. So sometimes, uh, this has really helped us. Chapters and verses has helped us. But to a certain extent, it has also affected us psychologically. So when you're reading the Bible, we read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we think it is over. We are now entering into a new chapter. No, it is a continuation. For example, give me the last verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The last chapter, sorry, the last verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now look, he says, but covet the best gifts and yet I will show you a more excellent way. So now, he says, covet endlessly the best gifts. Yet, I will show unto you a more excellent way. Come to 13, the verse 1. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. So what is the more excellent way? Love. 
So he said love is the more excellent way. But you will not find the more excellent way in chapter 13. You find it in the last verse of chapter 12. So if you read the Bible uh, with chapter and verse mentality, you will always be reading uh, the Bible in a state of confusion. Because there are some times you might read a first verse of a first chapter and you don't understand why he said that. The answer might have been in the last verses of the chapter before. So cultivate the habit of reading the Bible in chapters and not just in verses. And cultivate the habit of reading the Bible from the beginning. Praise God. For example, if you read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the verse 17, the Bible says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. He says, All things are passed away. He says, Behold, all things have become new. Now, when he says all things are passed away, now to you, your understanding means that your old life has passed away. All things have become new. That means your, uh, some also say your old habits have passed away. Some of you, your habits have still been there for the past 10 years. So, the, it's not old habits the Bible was referring to. He didn't say when you get born again, you have new habits. Nobody gets born again immediately with new habits. It takes time through the transformation of God's word. So, when he says old things have passed away, he didn't say um, um, old habits or old lifestyle has passed away and new one has come. No. If you read in the context in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you are going to see Paul made a contract between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Are you seeing that? So he says, for uh, come to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 from the verse 5. You're going to see something there soon. He says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Now look at this. He says, who also has made us able ministers of what? The new word testament, not of the letter, the law, for the letter, but of the word spirit, for the letter killed, but the spirit giveth life. Now look at the next verse. He says, but if the ministration of death, he called the Old Testament ministration of death. He says, written and engraved on stones was glorious, so the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. Uh -huh. He says, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be what? Glorious. Look at the next verse. He says, for if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more do the ministration of righteousness exceeding glory. Talking about the New Testament. Look at the next verse. Okay, he says, for even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that was excellent. Now, next verse, yeah. He says, for if that which is done away, what is done away? The Old Testament is done away, was glorious. Much more, that which remained, what remained? The New Testament. He says, it's glorious. Next verse. He says, seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Uh-huh. He says, on and not as Moses who put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look at the end of that which is abolished. That which is what? Abolished. That which is abolished. What is abolished? The law. Next verse. Look, he says, but their minds were blinded. For unto this day the same veil uh, is untaken in the reading of what? Old Testament. He says when a man reads the Old Testament as Old Testament, there is a veil on his face because he won't see Jesus. He says which veil is done away in Christ. In other words, the moment you see Jesus as the key to the Old Testament, the veil is taken away. 
Are you seeing that? Now, come to the next verse. Now, he says, but even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon your heart. Next verse. He says, nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the word turn is conversion. So, a new convert is actually not the, uh, one who converted from Muslim to Christian. You don't have to convert from Muslim to Christian. You have to be born again. So, a new convert is one who has turned from law to grace. That's a convert. He says, when it shall turn to the Lord, he says, the veil shall be taken away. Next verse. He says, now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Now, look, you see the ace and the ace are in bracket. That means it was not more original Greek. So, he's saying, now the Lord is the spirit. No, 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 no. 17. He says, but now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord, there, liberty. <laughs> Where the spirit of the Lord, there, liberty. Are you seeing that? So the is, remove the is from there. Where the spirit of the Lord, there, liberty. In other words, when you read the, the Old Testament with the, uh, with the testimony of the Holy Spirit, uh, by seeing Jesus, he says you experience liberty in what you read. If not, the Old Testament will be, will be a book of bondage. So he says, where the spirit of the Lord, there, liberty. So when you see the, the Old Testament with the Spirit of the Lord, the ministry of the Spirit, the ministry of the New Testament, he says you experience liberty. Now look at the next verse. He says, but we all with an open face, beholding us in a glass or a mirror, the glory of God are changed into the same image from glory to glory. Now, in 2 Corinthians, we just read chapter 3. Now in chapter 5, the verse 17, he says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. He says, all things. Now what are the old things from 2 Corinthians? Old Testament. So the old things is Old Testament. He says it is past, abolished. Behold, all things. What are all things? The life of the believer now have become new. What is the new? New Testament. So now we live the New Testament way. Have you seen that? So when he says all things have passed, in context, if you read the whole Second Corinthians, you understand the old things is referring to what Old Testament is passed away. He says, "Behold," the word "behold" means see with the eyes of a prophet. It means see. It means perceive. So believers must now have a new perception with their new walk with God. That is why he says, "Behold." So in the New Testament, we behold. The glory of the new. He says, behold, all things. What are all things? Uh, the way we relate with God now has become new. So, if the Old Testament, when you sin, you are punished. In the New Testament, all things have become new. God does not count your sins against you. So, he says, you have to behold it. You must see it. Why did he say behold? Remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the verse 18, he says, we all with an unveiled face as we behold. As in a glass, the glory. So what are we beholding? The glory. He says, behold, all things are become new. Clear? Back to John chapter 3, the verse 5. <laughs> So, now it says, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water, that is of the Spirit. He says, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. For you to know he was not talking about physical water, the next verse is going to tell you. 
Look at it. He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is? Did you see water? He says, a man be born of what? Water that is of the spirit. Now he says, that which is born. He didn't even put water there. So he remained with the spirit. So he says, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. He didn't say, that which is born of water and spirit is water and spirit. So he went to the next verse straight away to tell you that this water I'm talking about is actually spirit. Is it clear? Wonderful. Where were we? Good. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 18. So now we use the word end to arrive at John. We are coming back there. So he says, but grow in grace. So you know the end there is not separating growing in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ are two separate events. So he's saying, but grow in grace, that is. Or even, or which is. So growing in grace is actually what? Growing in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So to grow in grace is to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, look at this. He says, but grow in grace, which is in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus now, initially I said grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus but I wanted you to see this. He says grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. So today, the knowledge we feed on is the knowledge of Jesus as Savior. That is growing in grace. Growing in grace is growing in the knowledge of Jesus as Savior. So everything you know about God today, God is Elohim. God is El Shaddai. God says, I don't want any of them. Know me as Savior. <laughs> Jehovah Chikenu. <laughs> Jehovah Melchizedek. Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Jara. God says, hey, did you see any Jehovah Nisi in the New Testament? You see, all these things were seen in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, God says, see me as one thing, Savior in Jesus Christ. That's how we grow in grace. Someone says the topic of my sermon, the topic of my sermon today is the names of God. There's only one name. <laughs> There is only one name. The names of God. Beloved, the names of God are so mighty. The names of God are so, mind, are so wonderful. Today, I'm going to give you a hundred names of God. Let's analyze all of them individually. Number one, Jehovah. <laughs> Number two, Adonai. Number three, El Alion. <laughs> Yeah, number four, Elohim. Listen, there's only one name. God compressed all the names of God in one name. The Bible says, having obtained a more excellent name than the angels. There is only one name. So anytime we read New Testament, the Bible speaks of the name of Jesus. The Bible says God had highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. So the name Jesus is above Jehovah Jireh. Because in Jesus is provision. 
in Jesus is healing. So you don't know God as Rapha. You know God as Jesus because by his stripes you were healed. So the names of God are compressed in the name. So God does not have many names. In the Old Testament, he says, I am the God of your father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The, new, uh, the four Gospels made it a little clearer. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Ghost. The epistles came and brought the revelation, the name of Jesus. <laughs> Are you seeing that? So, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was actually talking about the Trinity. They got her. Abraham was representing the father. That is why Abraham had only one begotten son, Isaac, representing the son. And out of Isaac, Jacob came. Jacob, remember, wrestled with an angel of the Lord who was a messenger. In the New Testament, who was sent to us? The Holy Spirit. And in a wrestle, his side was taken off and it affected his walk. There was a new transformation that took place in his life. In the New Testament, it the Holy Spirit in us is a wrestle to conform to the will of God unto our walk is affected. So Jacob is a type of the Holy Spirit's work in us. So the Father, Son, um, the Father, um, um, uh, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit is actually Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Abraham was father. He gave birth to Isaac, one and only begotten. Remember, God said to uh, Abraham, sacrifice your one and only begotten. Uh, Abraham was going to do what God was about to do. So he took Isaac, his only begotten son, and the Bible says they were in between two servants traveling to Mount Moriah, and Isaac carried his own wood. Remember, Jesus carried his own cross. He was in between two people. So they traveled three days' journey. Jesus died how many days? Three days. They got to Mount Moriah, which in Hebrew, is, which in Greek is Calvary, exactly the same place Jesus died. He was about to kill Isaac, and God said, stop, now I know you fear me, and you have been obedient to me. So that day, uh, Isaac's life was spared, but actually in God's mind, Isaac died. If you read the book of Hebrews, the Bible says when Isaac came up, Abraham received him back. He received him back. So when Isaac rose, it was a time of the resurrection of Jesus. So to God, it was not the act that showed that he killed his son. It was his heart that proved that, ah, this guy would have given Isaac. So to God, Isaac was dead, the death of Jesus. Are you seeing that? So, the moment Isaac came out, you never heard of Isaac again. The next time you were going to hear of Isaac, Abraham sent Eliezer, a servant in his house, who came from his own house, to go to a far country to bring Isaac a bride. The word Eliezer means helper. Who is a helper? The Holy Spirit. After Jesus was raised, God sent the Holy Spirit a help to go to a far gentle country to bring a bride to Jesus. So the Holy Spirit brought Gentiles from afar to become the bride of Christ. So you remember that Rebecca was actually a sister to Isaac. He yet became a bride to Isaac at the same time. In the New Testament, we are brothers to Christ, yet the bride of Christ at the same time. <laughs> Praise God. So this is beautiful. So 2 Peter 3.18 says, but grow in grace. 
So there is a way we grow. He says, grow in grace. That is in the knowledge of our Lord, Savior. Lord, now the word end again is not separating Jesus' Lordship from his Saviorship. It's explaining again. So he says, but grow in grace. That is in the knowledge of our Lord. That is Savior Jesus Christ. <laughs> Are you seeing that? So his Lordship is actually him being Savior. So he's saying you grow by knowing Christ as Lord, which is Savior. So that means growing in grace is growing in the knowledge of the salvation of Jesus Christ. That's how we grow. We don't grow in the knowledge of our weakness, knowing more about our sinful lifestyles, knowing more of our bad behaviors. We don't grow in that knowledge. I know believers who are very concerned because they realize that their life is not consistent with the gospel. Listen, if you, th- if you keep um, um, investing your energy on the knowledge of the bad things you do, you will not change. Being remorseful about the bad things you do is not the key to change. In fact, it's the key to be worse. We grow in grace that is in the knowledge of our Lord. Not in the knowledge of ancestral curses. Not in the knowledge of the curses of your family. You see, many people are occupied with wrong knowledge. That is why they are not growing. They are occupied with wrong knowledge. It's amazing that what you feed on is what you eventually become. Don't you know? Because whatever you feed on becomes a part of your life. When you eat rice, do you see the rice? Where is the rice? In you. Do you see the rice in you? You can't see it, but it has become one with you. And it influences the size of your body with time. So whatever you feed on, whichever knowledge you feed on, becomes part of your life. So if your whole life is centered on demonology, guess what? You become a demon. <laughs> you see, and that's what, what is happening in many churches today. People are feeding on wrong stuff. So they are becoming the wrong stuff. How do we grow? In grace. What is grace? The finished work of Jesus. What is grace? What Jesus did for us without us. What is grace? God's riches at Christ's expense. So he says, grow in grace. That is in the knowledge of our Lord that is Savior. So we grow in understanding salvation. So I told you, spiritual growth does not mean your spirit was born again as a small boy, as a baby. Then your spirit is now coming to grow from age 1 to age 87. That is not spiritual growth. Your spirit is already a matured being. Are you aware? Your spirit is already a matured being. Colossians chapter 3, the verse 10. The Bible says, be renewed. Okay, let's read it together. He says, and I've put on the new man. He says, you have put on what? The new man. He, he called it a man. <laughs> So your spirit is not a baby. It is not a boy. It is what? A man. (laughs) He says, and I've put on the new man. Now, there's the problem, which is renewed. So, you see, the problem is the unrenewed mind, not the new man. So I tell people, they don't have a problem with the old man. They have a problem with the old mind. 
Because if your, your old mind is not renewed, your old mind will have an understanding that the old man is still there. So your old mind will actually be tapping from wrong information to affect your life. Are you aware of this? Now, if I was owing someone 10,000 Ghana cities, and anytime I see the man, I am scared and I'm afraid. And one day, someone paid a 10,000 Ghana cities for me, but I was not aware. When I see the man, won't I run? I will still run. Why? Because I don't know he has paid, someone has paid a price for me. So the problem of many Christians is that Jesus has done the payment, but they don't know who did the payment, so they see the one they are owing, and they are still running. That is what the old man is doing. So you need to renew your mind with the information of the one who has paid. Then you can walk as a free man. <laughs> you see the man, you know it is paid. That's renewal of mind. So your perception about the man is now changed. You now walk in confidence when you are around him, not in fear. Praise God. He says, and I've put on the new man. So you are a man. See, I'm a man. Which is renewed, look, in knowledge after the image of him that created him. After the image of him that created him. After the image of him that created him. Who is the him? Christ. That created him. He created him like him. So you see, the problem is the mind. Your spirit cannot sin. But in this body, this flesh can sin. Your spirit is sanctified. But this flesh has to be renewed because uh, it's the seat of the five senses and the mind. So if the believer is filthy, his filth is in his mind, not in his spirit. So we read that 1 Corinthians 6, 11, it says, but ye are washed. It's not referring to your body. So a believer might be engaging in some bad practices, but God says, you are washed. I've explained to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the verse 2. Corinthian church was a very bad church. Engaging in all kinds of fornication, all kinds of wrong, bad stuff, envy, divisions. Look at what Paul, in his beginning letter, he had not rebuked them yet. Look, he says, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ. Hey! Past tense. Before he was about to rebuke them in chapter 3, say, are ye not Cana? He first called them sanctified. Isn't this interesting? How can you salute a man like this? So a carnal Christian is sanctified, justified, and washed in the name of our Lord and by the Spirit of God. Now look at First Corinthians chapter 6, 11. Look, he says, and such were some of you, but ye are washed. Now come to the verse 9 so that you understand why he's saying, and such were some of you. Now, look, he says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? When you're reading the Bible, you need to understand your position first. Are you unrighteous? Who are you? The righteousness of God in Christ. So, anytime you see unrighteous, is he referring to you? No. He says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Are you righteous? So, automatically, you should know that you have inherited it. Are you seeing that? So, now, he says, Be not deceived, neither what? Fornicators. Can a Christian fornicate? Yes, it's possible. But God does not call him a fornicator. Look, he says, no idolaters. 
nor adulterers, nor infeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Look at the verse there. He says, nor thieves. Can a Christian steal? Good. Now he says, nor covetous, nor drunkards. Can a Christian be a drunkard? Good. He says, nor revilers, nor extortioners. Can Christians be frauds? Good. He says, shall inherit what? The kingdom of God. Look at the next verse. Now he says, and such. These guys were doing all kinds of things. Paul said, and such were some of you. In other words, listen, what you do is not how I see you. Number two, what you do does not change your identity. Now, someone, someone says that, uh, so does it mean that we can sin? You said it. I didn't say it. You said it. You know, a lot of people who want to criticize will just conclude what you have not concluded. Now, what I said was that your action does not change your identity. If you tell me, does it mean we can sin? It is you that said it. Praise God. When I understood this, I wanted to live more for Jesus. He says, and such were some of you. So, you get to understand that Paul was not referring to believers when he was talking about all these things in 9 and 10. Because he says, and such were some of you. In other words, you were once like them. Can you imagine these people doing all kinds of things? He says, and such were some of you. But you are washed. What if a Christian lies? You are washed. Now, this is not, this is not a present active term. Or a present continuous term. This is what? Past tense. That's why I tell people, when you're reading the Bible, pay attention to grammar. Pay attention to tenses. Pay attention to every comma. What he says is past is past. He says, and such were some of you. Such were some of you. In other words, you are not that person. Even if you are fornicating, you are not a fornicator. That is what he's saying. That means you have embraced something that is not true about you. Because and such were some of you. If, you're, if your Christian is engaging in fraud, he says that is not who you are. So he says and such were, it was your former life. That's what Paul is saying. He says and such were some of you, but you, the church with all these mistakes, you are washed. And you are justified. That means made righteous, actually the same thing. He says, in the name, in your good deeds, right? In your prayer life, right? In the number of times you fast, right? In the name. Now, when you always see name, don't always think of Jesus as name. The name of a man is not just the name of the man. The name of a man is actually his authority. Today, when I go to a place with a note that President Akufuado sent me, it is not the name they are looking at. It's the, it's the position he carries. So if I say President Akufuado sent me, there are many Akufuados, but this Akufuado is different. What makes him different? Position, president. So when you're looking at the name Jesus, don't just think of the name as a personality. It is his position. So, when you are given the name of Jesus, it's not just you carrying the name about. When you are given the name of Jesus, you have been given the authority in the name and the position of that name. Whatever the name accomplished has become your present our possession. Are you seeing that? So, he says, 
in the name, the word name is onoma, or onoma, which means authority, character, or ranking. Not panto ranking. He says, in the name, in other words, in the authority, in the character, and the ranking of the Lord Jesus. And by, now the word and, remember, is, that is. In the authority, character, and ranking of our Lord Jesus Christ, that is by the Spirit of God. Then in the name of Jesus is the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit, the Bible says when the Spirit comes, he will not speak of himself. So whatever the Spirit of God does in the name is what, whatever the name does is what the Spirit does today for us. Praise God. He will not speak in his name. He will speak in the name of Jesus. So in the name of Jesus, he's actually talking of the Spirit of God. It's the same. Praise God. So Second um, T, uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 80. Can you imagine we are still there? <laughs> but grow in grace. So there is a way to grow. You don't grow in knowledge of other things. Now, you, know, some, you know, sometimes you hear people say, well, the Bible has different things. It depends on what you want to learn. Hey, if you want to be a Bible, if you want to be a good Bible student, you must first understand the Bible is not about things. The Bible is about a person. The 66 books is all one book. In Hebrews chapter 10, the verse 6, come there. He says, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast no pleasure. Next verse. He says, then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. Now, when Hebrews was written, the book of Hebrews was not there. So when he says in the volume of the book, what is he talking to? What is he referring to? Old Testament books. Can you imagine he called all the 60, he called all the uh, 39 books, one book. <laughs> you know why? Because Isaiah wrote about one person. Ezekiel, one person. Malachi, one person. So when you put all, all what they were talking about together, it's actually one book. It's the same thing they were talking about. So he says, I come in the volume of the book. He didn't say volume of the books. In other words, all the books is one book because it talks about one person. So he says, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. So you don't seek the Bible to see what God has promised about your life. No. The Old Testament books are promises about Christ. Because when you see Christ, you see yourself. Come to Romans chapter 1, verse 4. Today I'm really taking you through a lot of scriptures. Uh, come to the verse 1 so we understand. Now look. He says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Now look at the continuation. Next verse. He says, which he has promised afore by his prophets in the holy... He says the gospel of God was a promise that was afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So the prophets preached the gospel, though they did not understand. He called the uh, promise in the Holy in the prophets the gospel of God. Let's read again. You're going to understand. He says Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. The word to be is not there. It's actually called an apostle. It's not called to be. 
He's called an apostle. Separated unto the gospel of God. What's the gospel of God? Which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So the Holy Scriptures contains the gospel. So you don't search out Jeremiah to look for Jeremiah. Or to look for that which is written about you. There is nothing written about you there. You only find what is written about Christ and identify yourself in him. Listen, whatever the believer has is not outside of Christ. You cannot, you cannot possess anything outside Christ in the New Testament. <laughs> so, even the New Testament, remember in the Old Testament, God kept a covenant with man and man failed. In the New Testament, God was not going to take that risk. In the New Testament, when the eyes of men are open to the truth and the reality of what I have done, they will stand in glory, in faith, in confidence, and stand against the wiles of the devil. Thank you, Lord. So, what was I saying? Oh, wonderful. In the New Testament, God does not cut a covenant with man. <laughs> the New Testament is a covenant between God and God. You didn't get this. The New Testament is a covenant between God and the man Jesus. 1 Timothy 2, the verse 5. The Bible says there is one mediator. Let's look at it. It says, for there is one God and one mediator in between God and men. Who is that mediator? The man Jesus. So he's telling you that in the New Testament, the, the sign of the bargain was between God on this side and men on this side. That man is the man Jesus. So Jesus stood as man for men. So the covenant was between God and himself in the person called the man Jesus. So instead of God cutting the covenant with man who broke it, he cut the covenant with the man Jesus who cannot break it. So listen, God cut the New Testament with Christ. You were not in the equation. Didn't get this. The New Testament is between God and Christ. So, God and Jesus cut the new covenant. Can I shock you? If God cut the, the Old Testament with Israel, could Israel break it? Yes. Now, in the New Testament, God cuts the covenant with himself and Christ. Can you break it? Because he was not made with you. Is it clear? It wasn't made with you. So you can't even break it. The only two people who can break it is God and Christ. So the only thing that can come out from the New Testament is the blessing. That is the only thing you became a beneficiary. So in the New Testament, we are trained receivers. Not trained workers. In the 
New Testament, we are qualified receivers, not qualified workers. We don't work for anything in the New Testament. Whatever we have, remember I told you God cut the covenant between himself and who? The man Jesus. That is why Jesus became a man. He became a man to stand for every man who had a tendency of breaking the new covenant. So what Jesus did between himself and God is actually what he did for you on your behalf. Because he cannot break it, you cannot break it. So now, the only way you can enjoy the benefits of the new covenant is when you are in Christ. That is why you cannot receive anything outside of Christ. So if you read the New Testament, you're always going to see in him, in whom, in Christ, in Christ Jesus, in him, in whom, in Christ, in Christ Jesus. It's the only language there. Because what we are, who we are, what we have is in him. Ephesians 1 7, he says, In whom we have redemption. It is in him we have it, not in us. You can't have redemption in you. Trying to beg God for forgiveness is trying to have redemption in you. Another gospel, another Jesus, another spirit, a spirit of bondage. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness. Where is forgiveness of sins? In him. I'm teaching on spiritual growth, but the dimension we are going to this. Amazing. So how do we grow? We grow in grace. What is grace? The finished work. What is grace? What Christ did for man without man. What is grace? God's riches at Christ's expense. Grow in grace... That is the knowledge of your weaknesses, right? Your no, the knowledge of your temperaments, right? The knowledge of melancholy, right? The knowledge of phleg, phleg, phlegmatic, right? Or the knowledge of trigmatic. The knowledge of what? Our Lord, that is Savior Jesus Christ. So we grow in grace that is in the knowledge of Jesus as our Savior. So salvation, the revelation of salvation is how we grow. Grace is the only diet for growth in the New Testament. So you find, when you find a man fighting grace, he's fighting against his meal. His meal for growth, his diet for growth. He's just hitting and kicking away his diet. So it is not every knowledge in the Bible that grows us. Please note this. It is not every knowledge in this Bible that grows us. There's a way of studying the Bible. You don't just read the Bible and study anything. There is a way to study the Bible. Because there are things you can behold or study from here that can bring you another knowledge. Can I prove to you? Romans chapter 3, the verse 20. Now watch this. Romans 3, 20. Look. 
He says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified or made righteous or declared righteous in God's sight. That means by doing the law or by trying to do something or by trying to earn God's favor by the works of the law, he says, no flesh will be justified in his sight. In other words, let me come to your simple language. Trying to pray for three hours so that God will accept you is trying to go by the deeds of the law. Because the law was to empower you on what you can do. Grace is to empower you on what Christ has done. So look, he says, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Before men you can be justified, but don't be deceived. Before God, you are not. That's what you should understand. When you are trying to live by the deeds of the law, or by the law of works, trying, now when I said trying to pray, uh, three hours. I'm not saying don't pray three hours. But I'm saying that praying three hours or not praying three hours does not change God's behavior towards you. So, even when we are saying that uh, the believer grows by eating, by breathing, and by exercising, in case there's a time for about three days you have not studied the Bible or you have not studied the Word or you have not prayed, don't feel condemned. Move on. Remind yourself of who you are and go back to the studies. So some people will cry about it. I have not studied. Listen, if you have not studied, go and study. Simple. <laughs> because there are people who cry that have not studied the word. What is happening to me? And they will cry and not do anything about it. So if you realize you have not prayed, go and pray. Simple. <laughs> I simple. If you've realized you have not been to church services for some time, what do you do? Go to church. <laughs> Simple. Don't be beating yourself. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Spare me. He'll spare you of anything. There's nothing to spare. Go and do what you have to do. In there. Because the believer is a word practitioner. He's a doer of the word. It's not begging. Go and do the word. Simple. Go and repent about the word. So, look, look. He says, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Oh, so there is a knowledge you can get from the scriptures that is not from God? <laughs> for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Uh-uh. The more a man becomes a student of the law, the man becomes knowledgeable about sin. And guess what? He will sin. Because what you are occupied with, you express. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So a man can train himself to be conscious of sin. So he's telling you, for by the law is the consciousness of sin. Sin conscious people are those who are law conscious. What can I do this week to please God? There is nothing you can do. What shall I render? There is nothing to render. The surrender of Jesus on the cross is enough. What shall I do to, to move God from his throne? Hey, 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 hey. Move God from his throne. There was one time, there was a worship atmosphere where a man of God, a, a, a worship a musician, let so much worship and the atmosphere was charged. And someone was prophesying. He says, I, the Lord, I am pleased. I say, I, that thing, I mean. 
I am pleased with you. Today, you experience my blessings like never before. I say, hey, hey, hey. Red alert. There's something going on here. You know, your understanding of God is what... Listen, listen. Whatever you know about God is how you live your life. If you're a prophet, you don't know God. How you prophesy, it will affect you. You'll be seeing different things, wrong things. I'm serious. If you're a musician, what you know about God is what you sing. And remember, songs are words. So, listen. Songs are... are, are <laughs> songs are the expression of your belief. That's why I'm in energy. I'm very conscious about the words because our words are a profession of our faith. It's very, very serious. So what you think matters because you are professing your faith. I just want to be where you are. You are saying you are not where he is. It's a profession of faith. You are not there yet. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says, For Christ suffered once for sins that he might bring us to God. He says, We have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. Where are we? In Mount Zion, where God is. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When you believe Jesus, where did you go? Through the way. Where are you? With the Father. So the songs you sing profess what you believe. You can't, you can't want to be where he is. You are where he is. And he is where you are because he lives in you and you live in him. So you are where he is and he is where you are. Simple. Where you sleep is where he's sleeping. Where you walk to is where he walks to. I, can you imagine that? I told you one time I came from, when I was working, I came from work one time. I said, Lord, thank you for bringing me back safely. He says, no, I didn't bring you back safely. We came together. <laughs> I didn't bring you back safely. We actually came together. Where am I? Greater is he that lives in you than he that is in the world. So where is God? Here. We came home together. It's a consciousness. I am coming home with God. I can't have accident on the highway. So God is not the one who is around the car watching which car is coming. And then he's pushing. Hurry up and get home. Hurry up. Then you get home. He says, ah, he's safe. No. <laughs> he was actually the one driving in you. <laughs> he says, I will. Second Corinthians chapter 6. <laughs> Look, 2 Corinthians 6, the verse 14. He says, uh, uh, there's too plenty. Come to the verse 15. Uh, 16. Look, he says, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. Uh, what is temple? Naos, which means what? Shrine. Good. And as God has said, I will dwell. Hey. In them and walk in them. How does God walk in you? When you are walking, He's walking. I will walk in them, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So He says, I will dwell in you and I will walk in you. How does God walk in you? When you walk, He's walking in you. So imagine a believer, He's conscious of this revelation about himself. That's why I always say, when you have a full revelation of Christ, visions can't scare you. 
Because I've always been warning you and telling you and admonishing you that dreams and visions are the lowest types of revelation. Please note this. Dreams and visions are the lowest type of revelation. The highest type of revelation is the revelation knowledge of Jesus. So when a man is full of the knowledge of Christ, visions, I must say it in a way that that's really offend, so, visions can't be a direction for his life. He walks by revelation, not by vision and dreams. Many of you won't get this. He walks by revelation. Alright, so what, what scripture were we on? Uh, okay, Romans chapter 3, the verse 21. No, the verse 20. So, he says, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So, there is a kind of knowledge you can acquire through the same Bible. Knowledge of sin. Some of you think knowledge of sin is from somewhere. It's here. <laughs> it's in the Bible. You can have the knowledge of sin. When the Bible is not rightly divided, you will come out with the knowledge of sin. Sin consciousness. But you see, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, he tells us how to grow. Now you see, many people have a wrong understanding of spiritual growth. You hear someone saying that, oh, Charles, uh, uh, his behavior is not changing. Now, at first, he was um, going to the club on Fridays. Now, he has stopped clubbing, so he's growing. <laughs> you know, that's people's understanding of growth. When people stop bad behaviors, they are growing. Oh, at first, he was lying a lot. Now, he has stopped telling lies, so he's growing. What if a Buddhist... Or someone from another religion stops bad thing that he's doing, then he's growing. Are you seeing that? So growing is not stopping bad behaviors, but growth will stop bad behaviors. <laughs> Did you get this? Growing will it does not mean you, you have stopped bad behaviors, but when you grow, some bad behaviors will stop automatically. But according to the scripture, 2 Peter 3.18, he says, but grow in grace. So, growth, spiritual growth is actually the knowledge of a person. Please notice, spiritual growth is the knowledge of a person and his finished work. Spiritual growth is about a person, is the knowledge of a person and his work of salvation. The more of salvation you understand, the more conformed you are to the stature of Christ. The more understanding of salvation you have, the more conformed you are to the stature of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians chapter 4, the verse 11. He says, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some te- uh, pastors, some teachers. Uh-huh. He says, for the, uh, uh, no, for the one perfecting, which is catatismos, which means to furnish or to complete. For the furnishing or the completion of the saints, that's the same scripture for spiritual growth. For the work of ministry. That means when Christians mature, they do the work of ministry. It's not they will do. When they mature, they do. So if you are not doing, you are not yet mature. 
So if doing the work of ministry, what is ministry? It is not preaching in church on this pulpit. What is ministry? What is the main ministry? I was expecting a job to say because I taught it at the time. It's the ministry of reconciliation. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 5, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the verse 18, he says, uh, uh, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So what is ministry? It's the ministry of reconciliation. It is the service of reconciling men to God. The verse 19 says, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses against them, and has committed to them the message of reconciliation. So the believer has been given a ministry and a message. He has been given a ministry of reconciliation, and the ministry carries a message. So we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, and we have been committed with the message of reconciliation. So you can, you, can be, you can be faithfully doing the ministry of reconciliation and badly dispensing the message of reconciliation. So many are faithful with the ministry. Few are faithful with the message. So many are doing the work of ministry. Few are preaching the message for the ministry. Because the ministry comes with the message. Imagine, I send a messenger, I give you information, and the messenger comes. In the message, I told him, say A, B, C, D. The messenger comes and he says, Y, O, F, E. Is it the same? He has miscommunicated my information I sent him with. So many are misrepresenting God wrongly. Say, I love them. He says, I will kill you. <laughs> say, I'm forgiving them. He said, when you beg before you have mercy. Say, they are saved forever. Say, when they fool, I'll take them to hell. That is misrepresentation. You are doing a ministry, but the message is wrong. So, he says, for the catatismos of the saints, for the perfecting of the saints, for the completion of the saints, for the furnishing now, you know you can build a house and not furnish the house, right? Many Christians are built but not furnished. He's saying that God gave all these ministry gifts for the furnishing of the believer. Now, this auditorium is furnished. It has curtains, it has drums, it has keyboard, it has an AC. It is well furnished. He's saying the reason why God gave the ministry gifts is for the furnishing of the believer. How? The finishing there is the equipping. This room has been equipped. That means the purpose for which it serves can be served. So if a believer is not equipped, he cannot live out his purpose. So we are equipped to live the purpose. What is the purpose? Ministry. That is why we are equipped. The reason why the, we have been, we, there's an equipment. Uh, what's the purpose of an equipment? It is to equip. These chairs are equipment. What is it doing? It's making you feel comfortable. It has equipped this purpose. So the purpose of the perfecting or the equipping or the equipment of the believers is so that they can outlive their purpose. So if men are not perfected with the with revelation of Jesus Christ, guess what? 
they cannot live their purpose. So he says, for the perfection of the saints, for the work of their ministry, for the edifying or the strengthening of the body. Uh-huh. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. Now, this word faith is not talking about the faith you had for salvation. That is the act of faith on your side. The word the faith is talking about the content of faith. Anytime you read and you see the faith, it's not talking about your faith. Anytime you see the faith, it's talking about the content of the faith. The content of the faith is who? Christ. He is the content of faith. So the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, he says, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of faith. Other version says our faith. It's actually faith. He is the author and finisher of faith. So Jesus is the content of faith. So he says, till we all come to the unity of faith, of the faith. What is the faith? The unity of Christ as the faith of the saints. He is the content of our faith. He is the faith. Why is there faith today? It's because of Christ. What are you believing? What, what do you believe? Christ. So, the content of faith is Christ. So, he says, to we all come to the unity of the faith. Remember, the end means what? That is. So, he's saying the faith is of the knowledge of the Son of God. <laughs> And the knowledge that is the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. So he's still describing the content of faith. The content of faith is the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, why do you believe Jesus? Because you had a content. He died. That is the content. He was raised. That is the content. That content is called the faith. So he's saying till we all come to the unity of the faith that is so it is explaining the faith the knowledge of the son of god unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ now what is the bible saying david please come now look at my height this is my stature okay but my stature has a measure my measure is, let's say, 5.9. That is the measure of my stature. But Debbie is shorter than I am. Okay? So now, for her to get to me, she will need to do something. What is that thing? She must... Let's, let's, let's use um, um, an irrational uh, example, okay? She must eat more and stretch herself more for her to come to my stature. That process is the process of what we are doing today. God gave us all the apostles and the prophets and the teachers so that they will feed us to come to the same stature of Christ. Please sit down. So now, when we come to that stature, we will all function exactly like Jesus. What Jesus would have done is what we would do. What Jesus would have said is what we will say. How Jesus will view people is how we view people. How Jesus deals with men is how we'll deal with men. If Jesus forgives, we forgive. If Jesus does not hold sins, we do not hold sins against people. If Jesus lays down his life, we lay our lives for the brethren. If Jesus heals, we heal. 
So we come to that stage. It comes by the knowledge of the Son of God. That's spiritual growth. So it is the knowledge of the Son of God that brings us to that stage. That brings us to that stage. Thank you, Jesus. So 2 Peter 3.18, he says, but grow in grace, that is the knowledge of our Lord that is Savior. Jesus is Savior. God does not want you to know him in any way apart from salvation. Because salvation is the message of the scriptures. Salvation is not one of the topics of the Bible. When we treat salvation as one of the topics of the Bible, we will always live in error. Because we will think there is a graduation stage for salvation. That's why many churches today, salvation is a foundational class. When you pass that stage, they come to the higher class. What's the higher class? Spiritual marriage. <laughs> That's the higher class. So graduate from salvation and let's deal with deeper matters. What are the deeper matters? Ancestral cases. <laughs> Patterns of the bloodline. So you see what the church is missing? So they leave the real thing and they go for the fake. So you can imagine Apostle Paul going to Ephesus church. Listen, when Apostle Paul went there, in Athens, I think so, they were full of idol worshippers. Listen, complete idol worshippers. If Paul was one of the apostles of our day today, know what Apostle Paul would have done? <laughs> These people are in deep trouble. Though. They need cleansing. They need deliverance. They need... Hey, <laughs> this one there is direct. We have to... We have a lot of work to do. Paul did, did not have time to do individual one-on-one -on -one deliverance service. He saw to the unknown God and he preached the known God to them. That was all. When they believed, they were saved. Do you know Abraham was an idol worshiper? His father was an idol worshiper. They were serving the moon. That was their God, the moon. When Abraham was called by God, God never told him, Abraham, have you dealt with your father's side? <laughs> God didn't ask him. This one, Abraham was working with God himself. So if it was a reality that must be taken as a relevant thing, God should have told him, Abraham, deal with it first. If not, it's going to affect your future. It's going to affect your son, Isaac. Surprisingly, in the midst of idol worship, God called him and says, Abraham, I will bless you and you become a blessing. Uh -uh. Abraham became a blessing, yet his bloodline did not attack him later. So question, man of God, but people are facing it. It's because of what they have believed. It's simple. What they have believed has taken over them. I think in the book of Romans, it says that because of what they believe, God gave them over. He gave them over. So what do you believe? He gives you over to it. That is why, listen, 
teaching deals with eternal issues. So whoever you sit under to teach you matters. I'm telling you. That is what, that's why it's not every church you're supposed to sit under because you heard them mention Jesus. Because I've always been telling you there is another Jesus. Another gospel. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Come to the verse 3. I was surprised how Paul constructed these words. He used the deception in the Garden of Eden as a warning to the whole church. Look, he says, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. The serpent is referring to who? Satan. As he deceived Eve through his deception. So what was it attacking? Deception, wrong teaching, false doctrine. That was what he compared the deception of Eve to false doctrine. So a man who received false doctrine is as though Satan has beguiled you. So he says, I fear. That is the fear he had as a pastor. Lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted. What is the main problem of the believer? Corruption of mind. Because when the devil holds your mind, he has held your life from being released to enjoy what Christ has done for you. So he says, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, it does not mean the gospel is simple. When you see simplicity, don't think like an Englishman. Because to the Englishman, simplicity means simple. The Greek is not simple. The gospel is not simple. How can something be a mystery and be decoded and yet be simple? It's not simple. The word simplicity actually means no additives, no mixture, no hypocrisy, no alloys mixed. So it's actually talking of mixture. So he sees that so your mind should not be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. He's saying that the message of Christ is unadulterated. It's a pure message. There is no hypocrisy. There is no preservation. There is no additives to it. It's, it's simple in the sense of it being unadulterated. So what God is saying, he will not change it. God will not call you righteousness and you do something else and God says, hey, I've changed my mind. That's what the Bible is talking about. Unadulterated. God will not change his mind about what he's saying. Listen, the only confidence a believer can have is confidence in the gospel because it's the only message God says and does not change. Remember, in the Old Testament, God, uh, to, to let no one know that he will never Destroy the earth with flood. The Bible says he swore and said, I will never again. Isaiah 54, the verse 9. He says, as Noah, as God swore. Let's look at it. For this is as the water, waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth. Hey. So have I sworn that I will not rot thee. In other words, I will not be angry with you nor rebuke you. Now, 
What is God comparing his anger with? He says, for as I swore to Noah that my anger will never again bring waters to destroy the whole earth. He says, so will I. Have I sworn to you that I will never be angry with you? Let's make a mathematical analysis. Now, ever since this happened in Genesis 9, has there ever been a flood that has destroyed the whole world before? Tell me. You know how many years to today? It's 5,000 years. For 5,000 years, God swore to Noah that he would never, in his anger, cause flood to destroy the whole earth. You, do you believe that? God says that if you have not seen it since that time to now, I'm also swearing that me, I will not rebuke you or be angry with you. If you don't believe it, you are saying that you don't believe what God said in Noah. Simple. So many Christians can agree that yes, there has been no flood. But they cannot believe and say, yes, God says he can be angry with me. But actually, what God did in Noah was a type of what God would do in Christ. So if you, can't be, if you can believe Noah and not believe Christ, you are a hypocrite. He says, listen, do you know the Bible says God cannot lie? Listen, it is men that lie. So the reason why men swear is because men lie. So when they swear, they swear by something that is greater than them. So they give you confidence that because he has sworn, I can trust him, right? But God swore. God cannot lie. Does he need to swear? He, he cannot lie. He can't lie. Why did he swear? Because God says, okay, Noah, for you to believe me, let me speak human language. I swear. <laughs> because there's nothing greater than him. So he has to swear by himself. He says, okay, because men lie, they swear. So let me speak human language. Noah, I swear. So that Noah can have confidence in him as God. It's so refreshing to wake up in the morning knowing that God can never. And if you want to know the word can never, look at the flood of Noah. If it has happened on this earth again, have confidence that God says, I can never be angry with you. When you understand this, you're on the journey of growth. Spiritual growth is simply enjoying your relationship with Christ day after day on a whole new level. It gets better by the day. Your understanding of Christ begins your capacity of understanding. I told you growth there does not mean uh, spiritual stage. Your spirit will grow to two years. No. The word growth is oxano. Oxano. Oxano means increase. So it's increment of knowledge. You increase in knowledge. Ephesians chapter 4, the verse 24. He says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, come to the verse 23. Look, he says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So your mind has a spirit. He says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So the believer needs renewal of mind. You need to keep renewing your mind, not just by reading the Bible, but reading what Christ has done. So when you're reading the Bible, you must search out for what Christ has done. Read Christ in the Bible. That's Bible study. Bible study is studying Christ. It's not studying about Jacob. It's not studying about Esau. It's not studying about Jake, uh, uh, Rebecca. It's not studying about Moses. The Bible says, Moses wrote of me. So if you believe Moses, you must believe in me. Can you imagine? 
John chapter 5, the verse 45. Look. He says, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you. Who is that? Moses. So he says, when you read Genesis to Deuteronomy, you will end up being accused. When he says Moses, he's not talking about the person of Moses. He's talking about the books of Moses. He says, when you read Moses without me, it is accusation. When you read Moses with me, it's revelation. So he says, come to the, verse, the next verse. For if ye had believed Moses, ye would have believed me. For he wrote of me. <laughs> he wrote of me. So when you are studying Genesis, look at Jesus in Genesis. The creation story was talking about the new creation story. I've told you. The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Perfection. Man was perfect. All of a sudden, the next verse, he says, For the earth was void and was without form. And darkness covered the face of the deep. Talking of the fall of man. Darkness in the heart of man because of sin. What is the next verse? Verse 3. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Oh! Look at the verse 4. God said, let there be light. And there was light. Hold on. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the verse 6. He was telling you that Paul was going to explain the Old Testament. I told you the Old Testament is mystery. New Testament is explanation of the mystery. Look, he says, for God, who commanded light to shine? When did he command it? Genesis 1-3. To shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts. What is darkness? The darkness of man's heart because of sin. When a man hears the gospel, a light shines in his heart. What is the light? Come to the verse 4. In whom, come to the verse 3. He says, if our gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost. The word lost there is perishing. Uh -huh. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light. So the light in Genesis was the light of a glorious gospel of Christ which is or who is the image of God shall shine on them so in John chapter 1 the verse 4 he says in him was life and the life was the light of men the light shines into darkness who is the light? Jesus who is Jesus? the gospel who is the gospel? the light of men so when the gospel is preached which I'm preaching there is light so Genesis chapter 1 the verse 4 remember after the light came the light of the gospel. Who is the gospel? Jesus. Look, look at Genesis 1-4. And God saw the light. What did he see? Jesus. And it was good. Who is good? Jesus. Remember the Bible says for the law, Old Testament books, having a shadow of good things. That was the good thing, Christ. He says it was good. Look, after the light came, God divided light from darkness. Separation of men. When the gospel came, there are people today who are unbelievers. They are called darkness. And there are those who have received the light. They are called light. There is separation of men. So the light and darkness was talking about separation of men. Those who are of Christ are called light. Those who have not believed the light and received the light are called darkness. Next verse. 
And God called the light. Day. Who is the believer? Day. The believer is day. And he called the darkness, what? Night. Can I show you something? First Thessalonians. Look at something there. <laughs> I've closed, eh? I've closed. This is too good. First Thessalonians um, come to um, um, chapter 5, the verse 4 to 8. First Thessalonians 5, 4 to 8. Look. Oh, come on. <laughs> Paul explained Genesis 1. He says, but ye brethren. Who is the brethren? The believer. Are not in darkness that they should overtake you as a thief. Look at the next verse. He says you are children of light. Genesis. And the children of the day. <laughs> and we are not of the night. The Bible says he calls the light to, he called the uh, darkness what? Night. He says we are not of the night. We are not unbelievers. He says no of what? Darkness. This is another topic on its own. The last one, I want, to, I, want to, I want to bless you with this one. The verse 16. It's too good. Look. He's, no, 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 no. no. The verse 16 of Genesis 1. Look. When I saw this, I was like, what? How can this be in the Bible? He says, and God made two great lights. How many lights? Two great lights. Look. The greater light is to rule the day. The lesser light is to rule the night. Who is the day? The believer. Who is the night? The unbeliever. He says God made two great lights. Who are the two great lights? Christ and the church. We are the two great lights. Hold on. Hold on. The greater light. Who is the greater light? Jesus is to rule the day. Who is the day? Christ is the head of the church. He rules the church. Look. And the lesser light. Who is the lesser light? The church is to rule the night. Who are the night? Unbelievers. We preach the gospel to them for, to be saved. <laughs> the word rules dominates. We dominate by preaching. Christ dominates the church by being the herd. We dominate the unbelievers by preaching the gospel. We rule the night. Christ rules us the day. <laughs> Woo! I love the gospel! Woo! My God! When I saw this, I walked out from my bed and I shouted, what? How is this possible? When we're reading Genesis, we're looking at stars and moon. Not knowing the stars and the moon. Listen, if you're looking at the sun, you're looking at the moon, see Christ. So, the reason why we are seeing these physical things is to let us know how real the believer is. If the night, listen, if you remember since creation, night has not stopped, it has not ceased. Day has not ceased. The sun has not ceased. He is telling you the eternalness of salvation. If for 6,000 years, it has, what God put in place has not stopped. What God put in place in the new creation cannot stop. If God gives you his spirit, it is established forever. If he gives you eternal life, you cannot lose it. If he gives you salvation, look at the sun. Has the sun melted? Has the sun gone down and not come back again? Has the sun lost its power? 
He's telling you what I do in salvation cannot lose its power, irrespective of your actions. Your actions are not powerful enough to terminate it. I've closed. Come on, let's just fellowship with Jesus. Can you imagine he put Genesis 1 in the scriptures for us? This is good. He calls us the children of the day and the children of light. And he calls unbelievers children of the night and darkness. Thank you, Jesus, that when I see light, I see myself. When I see the day, I know I've been revealed. I've been manifested. Come on, lift your voice and bless him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, lift your voice and begin to adore him. Come on, just praise him. Solomon said, thy love is better than wine. Come on, just lift your voice and adore the king of glory for what he has done. Today, when you look at creation, don't thank God for creation. Thank God for the new creation. Because everything he did in creation was for the new creation. Everything he did in Genesis was for you, a believer. It was to portray what he was going to do for you. Come on, lift your voice and begin to bless him. Oh, that the day is for you. Oh, that the light is yours. Because you are light. You are the day. Thank you, Jesus. For we are children of the day. Lift your voice and begin to adore him. That all your sins are forgiven. Your past, your present, and your future sins are completely forgiven. All in Christ Jesus. Oh, stable, zilo. Who the beginning at the Sanango Hosatai Gelahane, Erudis Tomango, who in the Stosun Bahakai, Alatastanonda la Comri de Sunango, and the Luru, and this the style, and the Lord, Testoloka, Rasprengi, the Stoston Gilaha, Regodongi, Rastoziza, Himo Cabrand. Thank you, Father, for the revelation knowledge of your son Jesus. But I grow in grace. That is the knowledge of my Lord Jesus as Savior. I grow in my understanding of salvation. I grow in my understanding of salvation. I grow in my understanding standing of the finished work. I grow in my understanding of the gracious work of Jesus Christ. Erota, erota, elo stalinka lahanda, elemle lelia de la bahaka, erodo, 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 elos pranando, eros pranando, eros pranando, elos pranando, elos pranando, elos pranando, elos prigo, elos prigo, elos prigo, eleste veri estanando, rato stavanda. Oh, when we know Jesus, our mouths will be filled with thanksgiving. When we know Jesus, our mouths will be full of praise. When we know him, ah, the only thing that best fall from our mouth is the sacrifice of praise. Giving him thanks, that is the fruit of our lips. We are giving him the fruit of our lips. We are offering our lips as sacrifice. Our words, our words, our words are conforming to his finished work. Our words... Hey! 
away with the ingredients of what he has done. Our mouths are filled with laughter and our tongues with singing. We sing for what he has done for them that are in Mount Zion. For we have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. We are untouchable. No demon, no demon of families can be able to attack us because we are the day we rule over the night. We are the day we rule over the night. We rule over sickness. We rule over circumstances. We are the day we rule. We are a great light. We are a great light that rules. We rule over stagnancy. We rule over poverty. We rule over sickness. We rule over ignorance. We rule We rule over untimely death. We rule over premature death. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Father. <laughs> you are my melody. <laughs> you are my rhythm. <laughs> and they sang a new song saying, What is the lamb that is worthy? <laughs> what is the lamb that has redeemed us? Oh, Bolandela. From every tribe, from every tongue, from every nation. Thank you, Jesus. The lamb of God that was slain to receive power, riches, honor, glory, and strength. Thank you, Father. We honor you, Lord. And we give you praise. Thank you, Lord.